Welcome everyone. I know that many of you are working with crystals or interested in working with crystals or perhaps have tried working with crystals in the sense that, oh, this crystal is very good for intuitive awakening and this crystal is good for the heart and this crystal is good for calming, whatever, and have not achieved any results. So I hope this podcast will help all of these categories, those who love crystals and those who are trying to um, work with them to get some, let's say, results from working with them. So it will hopefully give you a new perspective um, in terms of working with crystals and how can we actually work with them and what crystals even are. So maybe we'll start with that, with what, what are crystals? So um, we are, I think, used to seeing crystals or thinking of crystals as shiny um, gemstones or stones, rocks that you buy at crystal fairs that you can find in earth and that you put on your altar or work with in some mysterious ways. Maybe some of you know why and maybe some of you don't and you just work with them because it's it's a cool thing to do. So what are crystals actually? What does it mean, a crystal? What is it? Um, scientifically speaking, crystals are materials whose atoms or ions are arranged in a highly structured geometric pattern. The key word here is a highly structured geometric pattern. Basically, crystal is, well, the typical, the normal definition would be a solid with extremely well-organized molecular structure. So think of the atoms and molecules, all the elements that form a material, and they organize themselves into a pattern. Snowflake, for example, that's a crystalline pattern. And in the case of snowflakes, no pattern is the same. Those patterns don't repeat themselves. They, there is some difference, but it's an organized pattern, correct? Because a snowflake has a structure it has a center, it has those little beams going outward, so that's a crystal. Now, the word solid <clears throat> is a little bit contested because it is possible for a crystal to have a liquid state without losing its molecular structure. So if you Google liquid crystals, you will see more kind of if you're into science of that. Um, crystals are actually incredibly fascinating. There is a, you know, a whole field in, in science that studies crystals, um, and they are truly magical. Um, but we'll focus on the basics here, of course. Um, so, going back to the definition, so in a crystal, the atoms or ions, it doesn't, it can also be an ionic crystal. 
Uh, atoms or ions in a crystal are organized in a regular grid pattern. And that's the definition of a crystal. It's a crystal if you have a grid. A grid, yes, you know, those crystal grids that are uh, created for manifesting or for attracting energy or uh, reducing energy or amplifying energy. But now we're talking about a molecular grid or ionic grid. So the basic building blocks in a crystal, they are organized in a grid. And when you have the grid, you can say, okay, this is a crystal. And we have four types of crystals. There are ionic, metallic, there are covalent network and molecular crystals and seven shapes. Well, sort of. Uh, so four types and seven shapes. It already sounds quite alchemical, the four elements and, you know, the seven, uh, the, the number of completion. And it is. Uh, so, and the, the seven shapes, I'm not going to go into that. You can also look it up. The most common crystals that we know. So let's think about it. Um, salt is a crystal. It has a cubic shape. It's one of those seven shapes. Um, so every time a salt, a piece of salt is formed, it takes a cubic shape. It doesn't have to do with the actual shape of a piece of salt, but the structure that the molecules form is cubic. The piece of salt can be made round, but the molecular structure will remain, it will draw, it will move towards the cubic shape. Sugar has a monoclinic or hexagonal shape, it depends, but actually scientifically it's a monoclinic. Quartz crystal, that's uh, the one that is used in energy work, uh, but also in computers and uh, um, clocks, etc. Quartz crystal has a hexagonal shape. Tourmaline is prismatic. Diamond has an octahedral shape and so on. So these are the crystals that we know. Uh, of course, gemstones, diamond, um, uh, sapphire, ruby, they are crystals as well. Now, what are crystals? Actually, uh, the deeper we go there, the less we know, <laughs> or rather the less we understand. It's like when you begin diving into the world of crystals and trying to figure them out, you'll recognize how little you know. Well, I think it's the case with everything. The more you, the more you know, the less you know. But with the world of crystals, there is, it's like the deeper you dig, the more fascinating, the more mystical, the more magical they become. So that's why humans have worked with crystals in metaphysical contexts, because they are truly magical. So first of all, first of all, crystals grow. So they don't just appear magically out of nowhere, dropped from the cosmos and, uh, you know, um, imprinted into the center of the earth or whatever. They grow. And that's one of the, also the function, the mechanics of crystals and you can grow crystals in a lab. So there are artificial rocks like artificial um, rubies, for example, 
that can be grown in the lab because these um, molecules or ions or metallic structures, right, they they come together and they begin forming that molecular structure that, that I mentioned. And crystals have specific habits of growing. Again, you can Google crystal habits, crystal growing habits, and find a lot of fascinating information. For example, gold. Gold grows. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean that it, it multiplies, <laughs> well, not physically at least, but the way um, gold is discovered, the way it is in the earth, within the earth, um, gold and silver grows in tree-like structures. Also copper grows in tree-like structures, like roots of a tree. So they, they form those um, root-like networks. I think you call it finding a vein of gold. So it, it is this, you know, bending, twisting, root-like form, shape, where all the um, elements that will form gold, not, not elements, but all the molecules that will form gold, uh, they will come together and form a tree-like structure. Amethyst, for example, grows in concentric circles. Again, like a tree, like if you were, cut, were to cut a trunk, you see concentric circles, right? So that's the, the structure of amethyst, how it grows. You cut uh, an amethyst uh, and you see those concentric circles. Asbestos, for example, uh, grows in slender prisms and they resemble muscle fibers. So it's like very thin fibers. That's the asbestos. Hematite, a good grounding stone, it grows in star-like structures or sometimes in, in circles as well. Obviously, you know, stalactites and stalagmites, which are different salts um, and elements found in water, well, they grow in cylindrical or cone formations. Uh, one is hanging from the top of the cave, right? The other is growing upwards. These are also crystalline formations, so they grow. Well, that makes us wonder, are the crystals living or, or not living? If they grow, how, how do they grow? Uh, why do they grow? What forces them to form one shape instead of the other shape? Why uh, gold grows in root networks? And why doesn't stalactite become a tree? I guess we don't know why. Crystals are formed um, also for in different ways for different reasons. So I mentioned stalactites, stalagmites. They basically form out of the <clears throat> elements in water, salts in water. Diamonds form, you know, diamonds, uh, they form when uh, we have a pressurized uh, molten carbon. So they form obviously within the core of the earth. Um, so when carbon melts under high pressure and when it cools very quickly, 
you have a diamond. Now, both graphite and diamond are made of carbon. So your pencil has exactly the same uh, matter as, as uh, your diamond. But the crystal structure is different, very different, because you can cut metal, you can cut anything with a diamond. So the diamond, um, you know, those diamond discs are used for, for cutting. Whereas uh, graphite, obviously, is your pencil, and it is so fragile that it breaks when touching paper. And so the paper... Uh, takes on those broken pieces of graphite of carbon and it and it stays there right but the the element is the same so it's uh, carbon uh, is both what the, the diamond and the graphite are made of but the structure the molecular structure that crystal grid is very different and so here is the grid that makes a difference uh, so again, we have amethyst, for example. Now, you know geodes, those beautiful um, stones that you cut in half like eggs, and inside there are those amethyst crystals. Some of them are really huge. How are they formed? Well, they're formed inside lava bubbles. So again, there is a molten lava. And inside those bubbles, you have um, ions. Here it's ions. Uh, of oxygen and silicone with traces of iron. Traces of iron is what gives amethyst its color. Now, those ions slowly arrange themselves. Again, they form a structure. And so they arrange themselves into crystal shapes. And obviously, we're not talking about hours not years even, um, but they slowly arrange themselves into crystal shapes and lava cools, the water begins to evaporate, and so we have that inside that bubble, a crystal gradually grows and forms and takes shape. So when it's cooled and water has evaporated, there you have an amethyst geode. So, that is a completely magical world of crystals. That is, like, it's beyond human comprehension how and why <laughs> these things are happening. Why would those ions and molecules and pieces of matter organize themselves in a shape, in a very structural shape? How can structure make a difference between a pencil and a diamond and etc.? We have crystals within our body. So we, we would maybe think that, oh, crystals are out there uh, in the caverns of the earth formed under pressure when there are volcanic explosions and magma and lava flows and, you know, at the birth point of the earth, those molecules, uh, ions, arranged themselves into shapes and now we are harvesting the... Well, no, crystalline structures are also formed within our body. Remember the definition of crystal 
It's not a gemstone per se. Salt and sugar are also crystals. It's a highly organized molecular or ionic structure. Normally, it's solid. But if you remember the, those experiments with water taking shape, we talk about crystalline structures as well. And ice, of course, is a, is a crystalline form. So water is a liquid crystal. Um, although sci scientists wouldn't necessarily agree. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's that magical, again, the liminal uh, state of uh, what is it? What is it actually? What is it? Uh, but ice is, is definitely a crystal, and so are snowflakes. Um, but we do have tiny crystal particles in our cerebrospinal fluid and in our pineal gland. So these particles are again structured and they are formed, they carry information um, and they have structures and templates. Now, in terms of why and how crystals are formed in our body, the reason is structure, patterns, and templates are how we hold memory and information. Whether these are shapes of our molecules, shapes of DNA, structure and template as like a universal law is how memory and information is held. That's the way the universe works, by structure, by templates, by patterns. We can maybe easier understand it uh, when thinking about um, our technology. So for the first ever invented radios, Crystals were used to transmit radio waves because crystals are transceivers of frequency, memory, and energy patterns of information. Don't you think that when people had the first radio, don't you think they thought it was magic and it completely baffled the mind? How can you transmit sound without a wire, without any device in the air? How is it even possible? Waves, frequencies, how can you code information? So crystals were used for the first ever invented radios. Some watches, as you know, still run on quartz crystal, have done so for hundreds of years. Silicone dioxide particles, that's also crystal, now, they play a key role in making computer chips, again, for that very same reason of being able to transceive frequency, to store and transmit memory and energy and patterns of information. It's patterns. Now, silicone particles are used in making computer chips, and hence the name Silicon Valley, which is a multi-billion dollar industry, 
But again, it's based on the properties of crystal to store and transmit information. Why does it store and transmit information? Because it has structure. So that's why I always say, well, the Akashic records are actually a code and the original language of the universe was a geometric structure. It, it was patterns. So if you see symbols, if you see structures, if you see geometric shapes, you might well be receiving information from the Akashic records. And if we have those sacred symbols, such as in Reiki or other traditions where, you know, symbols are used for healing, for coding, for transmitting information, it's precisely that quality. The structure holds memory, holds information, and is able to also transmit it. So it is an intelligence. Crystals are intelligent beings. It's just not the intelligence that we're used to thinking of as intelligence, but they are so old, they also hold the information, the intelligence of billions of years. And what is more is that in 1974, um, there were Russian researchers who had actually been doing that work for a few decades, um, and they came up with a theory that Earth was a giant crystal that had formed in space. It had a crystalline shape. They postulated, they had an idea that it was a dodecahedron, which is um, like a sacred 12-pointed star, uh, and it was a sacred shape in many alchemical traditions. So they actually had the idea that, okay, that that is a crystal that formed in space with ions and molecules attracting to each other. And gradually that crystal took on a more spherical shape uh, because matter tends to... Um, gravitate towards round shapes, towards, uh, you know, smoother circles or elliptical figures. And then that crystal became Earth as we know it. But residual structures of that crystal, whether it was a, you know, a dodecahedron or more uh, angles in it, residual structures of that crystal have formed a grid. I'm sure you've heard about the earth grid well in 1974 russian <laughs> russian well soviet at the time uh it was before even i was born um uh, researchers um they came up with exactly that idea of the earth grid only they suggested that and it was it was a scientific research it wasn't channeled information or anything like that it was a the, it, published in a journal called uh, chemistry and life uh, so there is an official <laughs> official article an official publication in, in the soviet union at the time um, and they postulated that those shapes, those, um, you know, those structures like the ribs of that crystal, they are still intact on the earth. And where those ribs go, you have zones of um, or areas of um, perhaps geomagnetic anomalies or 
power places on Earth, such as, for example, the Giza pyramids, uh, such as the Bermuda Triangle. Um, so on that map, so you would have the uh, in the UK, right, the Stonehenge and uh, Glastonbury and etc. So you would have um, in the uh, uh, let's say <coughs> Israel Palestine. Uh, so that grid structure it forms um, a particular pattern. It forms a particular shape, and. Um, it is the ribs of the ancient crystal. It's like the residual structure, right? Where where there are more, um, where there are those raising points. So if that was a, a, a crystalline shape, so on those uh, higher points, on those more powerful points, there are anomalies in Earth field, which are expressed then and translated into human reality in various ways, but it can be either earthquakes or, you know, those unexplained events, planes disappearing, people disappearing, power places, um, power spots, and etc. Then, some years later, that research was taken over uh, or de further developed um, in New Zealand um, where they worked uh, more on it and you know on, on specific zones of anomaly the Pacific Ring of Fire and so on and and in other places and then um, of course the theory of earth ley lines it goes uh, before that and that is a different theory it uh, it uh, takes on a more elusive concept of energy and kind of the earth's dragon, so dragon lines, so they're more flowing. It's more like a blood uh, blood structure, right? The, the liquid uh, shape of that earth dragon. But here we're talking about a theory. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's a fascinating theory that the earth is actually a crystal and so those um, ribs of the crystal, they form the zones of anomaly. Now, another um, scientific idea has been that, the, well, the core of the Earth is for sure crystal. So maybe the whole of the Earth is not a, is not a giant crystal, but its core definitely is. So there, was, um, uh, there is a geologist called David Stevenson, and uh, he says the center of the Earth is literally a crystal. And over time it grew. Now it is no longer a single crystal, but an aggregate of them. So again, don't think of the crystal, because perhaps in your mind, a crystal is a ruby. So you'd think, oh, the center of the earth is a ruby or, or you know, a diamond or uh, whatever, labradorite, whatever you imagine crystals to be. But a crystal is a highly organized shape it's a structured shape and so in the beginning there was this structured shape and now it's an aggregate of different crystals so it's a structure and that structure is just as clever as the crystal that was used to transmit the first radio waves as the crystals that were used to uh, have watches <laughs> measure time for centuries it's that same 
crystal that is salt and uh, crystals in your pineal gland and your bones and your uh, your DNA, the crystalline shapes. Uh, and so the center of the earth is also a crystal. It's not a ruby, but it's a crystal. It's a solid for formation with highly organized structure, molecular, ionic, or whatever it may be. So that structure is at the center of the earth and it holds both the memory of the earth the the codes of the earth and the well the structure of the earth the how-tos of planet earth so with this in mind how should we work with crystals i'm sure you maybe had at least i hope this helped you see the mystery of it. When you have more questions than answers, that's when the beautiful part of the journey begins, because now you can become empty to receive something. So how do we work with crystals? I firmly believe that we need to have a relationship with them. How do you work with anything without having a relationship? If you come to someone and say, oh, you know, do me a favor. Who is most likely to do you a favor? Someone you know, someone you are in a relationship with, or a complete stranger? It depends on the favor, of course. Sometimes it's better asking, <laughs> better to ask people you don't know. But I speak in general terms. Isn't it easier to go deeper with someone you already have an established relationship with, with someone you already form channels with. I firmly believe that we can have relationships with crystals, and in fact, we need to have a relationship with crystals because they are our ancestors, great-great ancestors, in the sense that without a structure, without memory, None of us would have been alive. So it's because of the patterns, because of the structure, because of the shapes, that everything here on earth lives and breathes. So they are a reflection of that divine order, or whatever you want to define it as, doesn't, doesn't matter at this point. Um, so crystals are our great-great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers because we also have a structure. We have a structure in our bones, in our cells. And we can have a relationship with them because they will form energetic channels with us. They will need our energy. They will take in our energy and they will give their memory, their energy to us. How do we do that? Well, some recommendations that I can give. First of all, yes, we work with crystals. So, for example, quartz, uh, because of its use in the computer industry and watches, uh, clocks, radios, it is known as the easiest programmable crystal, the most programmable crystal of all. So it's a universal um, crystal, so it, you can use it in crystal grids to charge it with a specific energy. It's good to have, when you have a new crystal, it's good to clear it, 
um, in what I do. I'll tell you what I do and then you can experiment. So I would put um, crystals, especially quartz, like say if I do a, a crystal grid and I want to program it with a specific energy. So before and after, I would like to clear my crystals. Also, maybe you bought a crystal or you found one that was hidden somewhere for 10 years. You want to purify its energy. So I would uh, find a glass bowl or large cup uh, and put some salt into it and stir it in water. So make salt water, stirring clockwise. Uh, if you can recite a blessing or maybe you charge it with energy or with Reiki or you recite a blessing in your tradition and you stir it with a finger or a silver spoon clockwise until the salt is dissolved. And then you put out Obviously, you put your crystals that you want to purify, that you want to cleanse. Um, you put out those crystals into the sun, so in the sunlight outside. So crystals and salt water, bless the water, uh, put the crystals in the sun, and then let them stand in the moonlight as well. So over 24 hours or, or 20 hours, whatever it is, so that they can receive both the sunlight and the moonlight in salt water. With quartz crystals, you will probably notice that they've become clearer and uh, whiter, sparklier. Um, and then afterwards, you can just take them out of the, of the salt water and, uh, and wipe them, obviously, and they're, they're good to go. They're good to go with your work. So once you've cleansed your crystals, it can be any, any crystal that you work with. Once you've cleansed your crystals, you can start working, establishing a relationship with them. One way of doing this is connecting them to your heart center and your belly, your hara or the womb center. So for example, you place a crystal on your heart so let's say you have the same, the same quartz crystal. Um, you place it on your heart and you do a round of breath work, which goes like this. So you inhale and you send the energy of your heart into the crystal. So inside the crystal heart energy goes into the crystal. And then you exhale the energy of the crystal back into your heart. So inhale, a little bit counterintuitive maybe. So you inhale, send the energy out into the crystal. Exhale, send the energy back into the body. And then do the same round in the on the belly like where you place a crystal on the belly so a few fingers uh, three fingers or four fingers below the navel on the belly connecting it to your womb or hara energy center so in the womb in the, in a woman it's a yin center uh, and in men it's a hara it's the center of personal power and so you place your crystal on it and you Again, you on the inhale, the belly lifts, and so it you rise that energy inside the crystal. So you send your womb energy into the crystal, and on the exhale, 
crystal energy back into you. And this round of breath, you kind of need to go for as long as you need to. You can go for two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Ideally, of course, you would want to have um, a relationship uh, and to form a relationship. Two minutes is not enough. You need time to get to know each other. What you may notice very soon, just after a few breaths, is that your breath will begin to slow dramatically. So it will just slow, 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 slow down. And that's a good thing. It means you are connecting to the crystal because it's slow. Right? Those shapes, they don't come together in, in two seconds nor in two hours. Sometimes faster, sometimes slower, but it takes time to crystallize. And sometimes those crystals have formed over millions of years in the way they are now. So they are slow. It's a, it's a stone intelligence. Obviously, crystals don't run around and wave their arms and, <laughs> and explode and grow. Well, we, we can make them, but it's, it's slow. So when your breath slows down, it actually means you've connected to that intelligence, to that being. And so you continue. It may send you shapes, structures. Be careful because you may, if you do see geometric shapes and patterns like a kaleidoscope, you know, where, where you see those forms, structures, colors, it means that the crystal is communicating with you. So take it in. Receive it. It's information. Oh, it doesn't have to come in words and, and scrolls and your mind may not be able to process it that's fine it transmits that intelligence to you it will come to you in, in due time and place you will get new insights but that's how you notice you formed a connection with crystal there are you know those shapes colors the breath slows down there are some crystals that you can also use on your third eye for example numite it's a black crystal Numite, it's uh, spelled N-W-M-I-T-E. I think it's N-W-M-I-T-E. So it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest crystals on Earth, uh, several billion years old, two or three billion years old. And uh, they found it in Greenland, so it's quite rare. It's a black crystal. And because of this quality so obviously it's, it has a lot of information it has information from basically when the earth was just formed when those crystal beings first let's say arrived or emerged on planet earth so that it's a very powerful intelligence and it works on higher centers and it awakens those ancestral memories that go beyond living beings that go all the way back into the cosmos um, and so you can place the new might but can be as small you know though they sell those little bits just a half an inch big you can place it on your third eye and do the same thing on the inhale you send your third eye energy to the crystal on the exhale you send the crystal energy back into your third eye and and just go with it. I mean, you 
ideally you'd feel yourself when when to stop uh, I don't know 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes and do this do this over um, the 28 or 30 days the moon cycle so from new moon until the next new moon every day connecting to that crystal for the whole lunar cycle noticing observing also how it may be different because there are different phases of the moon so the crystal will influence will work with your biology especially the water element in your body so blood lymph body fluids um, how it works throughout the lunar cycle how it speaks differently and also crystal of course works with the moon itself so just observe and you don't have to figure it out logically we can't figure things out <laughs> it's too big for us but uh, observe how it works from new moon to new moon every day how different it is what do you notice and so after a lunar cycle with a crystal so you will have formed a different relationship with it so for example with new might or with any crystal that you have. Maybe you bought a crystal to enhance your psychic gifts and psychic abilities and nothing happened. Well, if I may suggest, maybe nothing happened because you didn't form a relationship with it. Try, try for 30 days, form a relationship, do that breathwork pattern and see what changes. Not everyone is a crystal empath whereby it just, boom, you know, you take a crystal into your hand and boom, <laughs> you receive images and words and whatnot. I would imagine most people actually don't connect to crystals like that. Um, it would have been very, very strange unless a crystal wants to. Sometimes they choose you, you just walk walk past and suddenly you see something that's um it wasn't really crystals but um i got um there are those fossils i forgot what the name was uh you know that have the um, the that fibonacci sequence uh, shape uh, like a spiral expanding i forgot what the fossils were called anyway once i saw a woman um i was walking um down the street in the US in the evening and a woman was selling said oh I just want to replace all of the stock I'm doing I'm making my business you know remaking my business so I want to sell all of this old stuff and she had a bracelet um, with those fossils in sterling silver for like $20 or $25 I thought well I, I surely can afford that so I got an amazing thing but sometimes they find you those uh, you know precious stones and crystals so sometimes you notice a crystal or you may find a crystal but establish a relationship with it it's not going to start yelling at you in the middle of the night if it does then there's something there's probably a serious issue <laughs> with energies because it's not really normal um there are there are exceptions but you know if there is a very strong connection then it's actually you have to be careful 
um, because it's not it's not always a good thing to have you know very very powerful immediate uh, effects but there can be a pull and that pull is an invitation to form a deeper relationship with crystal let it let go of expectations so much because obviously it's not going to speak to you in sentences like you would read in a book but you will figure it out just form a relationship, establish a relationship, spend five or ten minutes a day with that crystal, breathing into it, you know, breathing out of it, form that connection through your breath, through your body. You can place it on the clothes, you can place it on the skin, it doesn't matter. Form a relationship and then after 28 days or, or 30 days, however long that lunar cycle is, it's around 30 days, right? Uh, so take take that with you from new moon to new moon or from whichever phase of the moon you are you are in it doesn't have to start on the new moon you can start today but just go on until the whole lunar cycle has been gone through you back at the same the same position of the moon go with it or do it for a week or do it for for 10 days for however long you feel called to, but establish a relationship, see what it has to give to you. Or even do this round once when you get a new crystal, just see what it's like. But to form a deeper relationship, if you want to have it work for you, if you want to ask questions of it, if it, you want to use it in crystal grids for manifesting, for creating, then it's a good idea to have a relationship. Why would you ask a stranger what will a stranger do for you isn't it better to have a relationship to have an energy exchange where there is a bond where there is a channel so a crystal knows you already so try that and with many blessings until next time